You're a good dad and you want to share your bedtime duties, but what happens when your kid only wants mum? And what happens when you've gone from the cot to the big bed and the cot's out of the room, but you've lost your leverage and the kid just will not stay in bed? And what about, Charlie, that we're back for dad pod at Tizzy fucking Hall's on the show today? Tizzy goddamn Hall. Get amongst it. Dad pod is back. It's dad pod, dad pod. Let's get ready for dad pod. Dad pod, dad pod. Now it's time for dad pod. Have you got your headphones in? Because the baby's sleeping. This is Dad Pod. Welcome to the show. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Charlie Clawson. Hello. Uh, we've been making a show about being dads since we kind of were, well, I was a stepdad. Charlie wasn't. We're kind of technically at a, since before our youngest kids were born, we started this show. If you're about to become a dad or you know someone who is, uh, go back to the start. And we started this because all the stuff out there was just for mums and we couldn't find anything that sounded like us or, or spoke to us that wasn't just stats and weight. And we and and it's fair to say, Osh, that that the show has evolved. Uh, you know, the first one is kind of like a, a live diary, yeah. Osh and I, from you know a month out from uh, our partners giving birth through to the first couple of months of being dads, and then we sort of decided, well, maybe we should do Dad Pod, but with facts now. And so we tried to deliver the facts over seasons mm. two and three, which is a bit confusing. So new format. Yeah. A new structure to the show, which I think is is probably our best one yet. I'm excited about it. It's going to be me and Osh sharing our stories, and then we're going to bring in some real experts. It's not going yeah. to be us Googling stuff and then trying to parrot that information. We're yeah. going to bring in straight from the horse's mouth some expert advice every episode. Uh, we've got some amazing people lined up, and they're, they're going to keep coming back, which is great. So we'll re- we will revisit and uh, hopefully catch up and see how we've been going. You can always email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We're also dadpodgram is where we are. But it's been a little while since we've been back. The kids are a little older now. Iona is uh, four weeks uh, younger than Wolf. So they're just around about two and a half at the moment. Toddler town, baby. Toddler town. Charlie, you've, it's been going bonkers there in the, in the northern rivers of New South Wales. You've been underwater and then you've been <laughs> not underwater, then you've been underwater again. Um, there's been three 500-year floods in a month. So I don't know, what does that make them? 120, oh, fuck it, I don't know. 125 years? Dude, there's Something been like a lot that. of, you've been under a lot of the pump. And Gemma's been away working quite a bit. So you've been solo, Dad. How's it been going? Uh, it's been okay. It's been okay. I think the, the the major issue is is how it's relating to Iona's sleep patterns at the moment. Because yeah, like you say, mum's been around, and and then and then mum hasn't been around. And even last week, they had a, a girls' weekend where Iona uh, Gemma took Iona to Melbourne so I could get some work done. Yeah. And so Iona's had kind of like feast and famine. She had uh, no mum, and then she's had a lot of mum. And I think consequently. It has created this very clingy nature because I guess in Iona's mind, well, mum's either here or she's not. So I have to make the most of mum while she's here. So what that has done is there's a knock-on effect, Osh. So when it comes to bedtime, if I initiate bedtime on my own, like if I start the routine, finish dinner, bath, book, bit of a, some milk, you know, it, it's all fine. But if we attempt to share bedtime duty, so Jem starts the bath, but I do books or, or vice versa, it's chaos. It's almost like... If I'm going to do it, then Jem has to be unsighted. <laughs> it's like Iona has this sixth sense where she can detect mum. Like Jem even has to creep around the house because if I'm doing bedtime and she gets the, the sense that the better options available, you know, she just will not, will not relax. She will not get into sleep. And then there's the added problem of, you know, when Jem was away, uh, Iona, more often than not, she will come through at some point. 
on a good day, she comes through early morning. So like, you know, 6 a.m. she'll come into bed for a cuddle, which is no problem. On a bad time, she'll come in at like 11 p.m., you know, and spend most of the night in bed with us. But while Jem's away, she's pretty good at sleeping on her own. But when Jem's there, again, it's like, I want to get into bed with mum. So that's where we're at. We are at a loss. <laughs> it's like, how do we get back to, we want to, you know, share bedtime duties and we can't change the way our careers work. You know, I work from home, Jem travels a lot. Yeah. So how are we going to do this? How are we going know, to man. get Iona back on, on level footing? And how do you explain to, to Iona that hmm, daddy hasn't seen mummy for a week too? <laughs> daddy wouldn't mind a cuddle too, kiddos. Iona will actually say that in the morning when I'll roll over and try and have a cuddle. She's like, no, you can't cuddle mummy. Like she literally <laughs> says to me, you can't, you can't cuddle mummy. So it's but like, I wonder okay. if that's an evolutionary way of spacing the kids out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Man, that must be so tough. And I, I certainly, uh, you know, my heart, I, I know what it is when it's like, no, just mum. Like you try so hard not to let it hit you. And then, and it's usually fine for like the first six hours, but when you've been up since fuck o'clock and you haven't slept either, and then that, you know, when you get that rejection from this person you love more than anyone in the world. Well, even beyond the emotional rejection, it's just the actual like practicalities of how am I going to get this kid to sleep when my mere presence seems to aggravate them? You know what I mean? How's your week been, Osh? Well, all I can say is, I'm just so grateful we have Tizzy Hall on the show today, the actual baby whisperer of getting kids to sleep because yeah. w- we are in sleep issue town as well. Right. Wolfie's going from his cot to his big bed, which is a big, big deal. And we got, on your recommendation, we got Tizzy Hall's book about babies, Save Sleep. Incredible. Did the job. Did what it says on the box. Yeah. We got the toddler one and we were following that page by page and we got to the part where, okay, now the cot's gone and now we're in the big bed. But it was a friend of ours having a baby, so the cot had to go. We'd promised the cot. Mm. And she's like, baby's coming. I need to build the baby room. Okay, cot's going. And it was in there for about two months. I think Tizzy says six weeks in the book. Mm. In there for about two months. The first night the cot's gone, Wolfie's gone, ha, 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 ha. You got no leverage, pal. So because it was, okay, mate, you really need to sleep. It's really important. You're a big boy. You sleep in your big bed. But if you can't stay in your big bed, you'll spend the night in the cot because it's super important that you sleep. And we'd only need to pull that out maybe once a week, right? Mm-hmm. Moment the cot's not there, back away. Watch me. Right. <laughs> was it immediate? Was it the first night he realized the, first, the cot wasn't? The first okay. night. The yeah, okay. first night. And, like, it was really sweet. We did the whole thing. We, we even made a card for our friend and we, you know, we someone in the public eye, so we found a picture of them. We, we cut a picture out and we stuck it on the card and Wolfie drew on the card and he, when they arrived, he gave it to them going, this is for you because the baby's coming. We had the whole chat. We did the whole thing. So he had ownership of the cot going away. First night, I need to go wee. So we used to go out of the room to the toilet, but now then we put the potty in the room because it was like, this is just a distraction. He did six wees in 10 minutes, like nice. out of the bed, you know, and okay, pants down, nappy down, yeah. you can do it. And then, dude, he, he was just, oh, it took me two hours, two hours to, to even get him. And every time it's we, then it's a song and it's yeah. not just any song. I have to improvise a song mm-hmm. and you'd appreciate this because I was just singing improvised songs to the tune of nursery rhymes, but yeah. then I'm like, okay, I'm running out of nursery rhymes. So, okay, then Mr. Big to be with you. <laughs> Hey, Wolfie, you had such a big day. It is time to go to sleep, little Wolfie. You have got your bunny and your big rabbit 
and your blanket too. It's time to sleep, little Wolfie. So come on, Wolfie, roll on over. It is time to go to bed. Wolfie, Wolfie it, it is time, time to go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every night I pull out another power ballad for my boy. Oh, and he great. won't let me go until I've done it. And so I'm I'm indoctrinating him with the power ballads. That's uh, awesome. But, but that's the loop. And I must have sung, you know, Mr. Big and, you know, Ario Speedwagon's greatest hits five <laughs> times. Two hours, man. And then, you know, we talked about this before. Then there's that kind of valuable time that I've actually got, that precious hour or so when Audrey and I are both awake enough to actually speak that isn't kind of logistics related. And then I come out of the room. She's already eating dinner. Like everyone's, that's it. So, man, I'm, I'm cooked. I don't know what to do. And I'm really grateful we've got Tizzy on the show today. It's interesting, isn't it, too, like the delay tactics, because Iona does the same thing with it's I need to wee or whatever, and we've still got her in nappies at, at bedtime, so I'm always like, well, it's okay if you need to wee, like you can do that in the nappy. If it's a poo, we'll, we'll take you to your potty, but but then she's like, no, no, I need to wee in the toilet, and then I'm like, okay, I understand what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then her big delay tactic is she needs her toys, and she needs oh. to arrange her toys. And the other night, I could have sworn she had 17 stuffed animals in bed with her, and she was like... Rearranging them, rearranging them. You fell for that again, Charlie? You said it it wasn't going to happen again. (laughs) Well, it's because I'm always like if it's one. And then the thing is because it is like being in a hostage situation where (laughs) they're saying, I want a toy, and you're like, okay. And when you sort of show any resistance, you can see the adrenaline rise, and you're like, I don't want them to spike. So you just try – you kind of like just get held captive. We're like, okay, just two more toys. Okay, just one more toy. Just Not that toy. No, no, you don't need Bluey and Bandit. Just, okay, okay, all right, 17 toys. Oh, man. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the delaying tactics because we've got a a fascinating email from one of our listeners who's – he actually studies evolution uh, and that's his job. And um, you you won't believe what he has to say about this. If you do want to email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. We'll get to Matt's email next. This is Dad Pod. Uh, that's Charlie. I'm Osha. Tizzy Hall's on the show today. Yes, the great and powerful, almighty Tizzy Hall is on the show. Charlie and I have been complaining about not being able to get our toddlers to sleep, so um, basically we're hitting her up for free advice. <laughs> you can always email us if you like, askdadpod at gmail.com. It's always great to hear from you, and it's great to hear from people who – some people email quite a bit, which is which is nice. Matt wrote us early in the, uh, in the show, I think season two, I think Matt wrote to us, um, but mm-hmm. he writes today saying that he's been enjoying working from home and was thinking thinking of us the other day because he's he actually studies evolution for a job and usually he's working with time spans of millions of years very few animals go extinct if dinner is burnt or if he's late (laughs) picking up the kids so his i guess his reaction times to what's not going right in the day is his time scale is completely different to yours or mine like i am all about (laughs) urgency he's like it's gonna be all right You'll be it's all right, fine. kid. Which is amazing. <laughs> Nothing's even a big deal or a medium deal for him, which is fantastic. But he does work hard at keeping his family together. But at the same time, he can sleep if there are conflicts. But he he did want to let us know, and this is brilliant because this is an, an someone who studies evolution. We are right as kids who are two and a half. We are right in refusal. We're in no, 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 no daddy. Do you need a wee? No. Can I put some sun cream on you? No. Would you like to watch Bluey? No. You just asked me to watch Bluey. No. Which episode do you want? No. Do you want fruit bat? No. You just asked for fruit back. Mom! <laughs> yeah. So Matt's telling us, he's someone who studies evolution. From an evolutionary point of view, the no phase is about testing how well the toddlers can control the adults. Get this, Charlie, because kids that controlled their parents more effectively got more food, more resources, and ultimately had more chance of making it 
to an age where they could procreate and have their own children. That so makes a hundred percent sense right now. Like Iona is definitely, she's planning to push me in front of a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> any second now to make sure there's enough food for her and mum. But isn't that isn't that fascinating? And like I remember earlier on in this show, a couple episodes, you know, into the third season, I think, I was marveling at how this kid with maybe eight words or maybe not even words could manipulate grown adults around them, knowing mm. exactly what they needed to do, how they needed to act to get more cuddles, more awake time, more whatever. And I was blown away. But now he's got so many words, dude. Whoa, he knows yeah. how to. He knows. He's like bang straight in the. In the kisser every time. I guess one of the advantages of being a professional actor, Osh, is I've heard no so often in my professional life, <laughs> but it's just water off a duck's back. I think it's more hurtful to Jen. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't get the part? Sure. Yeah. You don't love me? Sure. All right. I understand. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Clawson. Charlie, yes, yes. No, just, yeah, you know, before Hemsworth and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doctor, doctor. No? I'm, okay. I sent three tapes in. Oh, okay, then. All right, then. What the? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, a battery commercial? Sure. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes from Friends was when um, uh, Phoebe became Joey's agent and she was running through the feedback and uh, it's getting increasingly worse and worse. And she's like, oh, here's one. Oh, pretty but dumb. He's like, oh, that's not so bad. And she's like, sorry, I misread that. It says pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, at least, at least you got the skills. But now at least we know that when Wolf is in full refuse and it's, I need to wee. To the toilet, we rush. Okay, Wolf, you said you need to wee. No. Oh, man. Like, he's got yeah. dumps over a barrel. Because I don't know. Like, do I react to it or do I not react to it? Now I know he's just trying to make sure he makes it to adulthood. He just wants enough food in the cave. That's all he wants. <laughs> well, I tell you what I want, Charlie. I want to get to our super special guest because oh, this is exciting. I cannot believe it. Bree, who's uh, one of our producers here, we set Bree a challenge. We said, Bree, we're bringing Dad Pod back. We've got a list of, of guests, big professional people that we'd love to have. Number one, tip top of the list, Charlie. Tizzy Hall. Tizzy Hall. On the Mount Rushmore of early childhood educators or uh, parent gurus, Tizzy Hall is right up there. She saved our sleep pun intended. And then when you and Audrey were having issues with Wolfie, we passed on her book to you and it did wonders for you. So this is exciting for us. In fact, I, I don't think I've been this starstruck in a long time. You know, and, and we rub shoulders with a lot of very famous people, Osh, but yeah. this, I'm actually feeling it. I'm, I'm getting like, you know, a bit kind of sweaty palms here. <laughs> Mum spaghetti, is that involved? <laughs> I didn't eat last night. I was too nervous. <laughs> Tizzy Hall, right after this. Charlie, I am over the moon to say this is our probably most superstar guest we've ever had on this show. And we've had some of the biggest, biggest celebrities on this show over the years. The founder of Save Our Sleep, the one, the only, Tizzy Hall is joining us today. The internationally renowned baby whisperer, the best-selling author of the Save Our Sleep series, has been translated into seven languages. You can find out everything you need to know about her at saveoursleep.com and also her Absolutely gangbusters podcast, Save Our Sleep. The legit, the real deal, Baby Risperer, the woman who has, she actually saved our sleep after you and Gemma told me in order to get the book, the one and only Tizzy Hall. Thank you for coming on Dad Pod, Tizzy. Thank you for inviting me on. 
<laughs> it's a real, it's a real honor, Tizzy. Like we are incredibly starstruck when uh, we 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 reached out to you. We we're like, I mean, she's probably like flying all around the world doing talks everywhere. We'll never get Tizzy Hall, and the fact that you've come on Dad Pod is a is a huge honor for us. Now, Osh and I, uh, we've been talking already. Although we have uh, followed your book, we have both run into roadblocks with our toddlers' sleeping patterns. Uh, we both have kids around about the same age, around about two and a half. My daughter, Iona, she's been going through a real clingy phase with mum. And so uh, I was saying to Osh, when I'm sort of doing the bedtime routine and when it's just me because her mum often travels for work, she's great. But as soon as there is a hint of mum being around or there's the option of mum doing the bedtime, like doing the, the book read or the bath or whatever, then it's no contest. And it almost becomes like this disruptive force. Is this something that, that that's common that you've heard of before? Well, it is common, but it also happens in my own house, so you're not alone. Oh, good. Like, how come whenever Nathan's there by himself or I'm there by myself, we have all the kids in bed. They're a bit older now, so we have them all in bed by 7.30, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Whenever we're both there, it doesn't work that way. Right. But a lot of it's, I think you said, did you say your little one's two and a half? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of it's down to testing. So at two and a half, well, from the age of two, really, children are like, can I feel safe? Can I feel secure? Now, as a baby, they feel safe and secure by things we do, like we give them bedding, and we have a routine. When they're at that age, they know the world. They're starting to learn that things aren't that safe. Not, I'm not talking about they know about the war in Ukraine and stuff. I'm talking about they know that they can be walking and fall and cut their knee, you know? So they're starting to realize that the world isn't perfect around them. So they want to test all the time can I, may I feel safe and secure? If mum's there sometimes, not there other times, you're there sometimes, sometimes you're putting them to bed, they think, should I feel safe and secure tonight? They do that by testing us. Right. So she could be trying to test the boundaries and that's why it sort of all turns to a bit crap because she's trying to just test. And what you need to do is be, yes, you can feel safe and secure. Whether mum's here or mum isn't here, you can feel safe and secure and you give her a really good bedtime routine to help her feel safe and secure. Okay, so I feel like our routine is actually pretty solid, and it is based on on save our sleep. You know, we're we're pretty sort of strict with you know following on from dinner to bath time to books to to going to sleep. But when you say I can make her feel secure, is that something that's done verbally, or is it a combination of of the routine and and conversations I have with Iona herself? It's both. So one of the main ways to make a child of her age feel safe and secure is to give her the skills of, and you might think she's not a baby, but even Mm -hmm. at this age, of putting herself to sleep so that then when she wakes up during the night, she can get herself back to sleep, right? One of the common mistakes we make with children at her age is we think that it's a good idea to put them to bed sort of settled and kind of drowsy or to leave them when they're slightly drowsy. So we might... The last 20 minutes before bed, we might take them into their bedroom, have them sort of sitting on their bed or even in their bed, you know. Mm. We might be reading them books and we're starting them going to this drowsy stage with us there. We actually need to do the opposite. And this goes against everything that you probably think and you think you've been taught. So you need her to be out, awake, fully awake. Right, we're going to read a couple of bedtime stories, but don't read them in bed as such. You can when she's putting herself to sleep from wide awake, but at first maybe sit on a chair in her room, then brush her teeth and then put her into bed and then say goodnight. Now, do you think if you did that, she'd go to sleep? 
or do you think you're doing the opposite? No, I don't think she would. I mean, we have sort of... Her mum, in her exasperation, has done that where she's just left her and just sort of gone because we have an adjoining door between our bedroom and her bedroom and so Jen will just go into the next bedroom and Iona will protest but eventually she will find her way into bed. It's just that sometimes out of convenience or necessity, you know, it's like, well, I'll just sit with her, read with her, and I'll just sit in the chair until she falls asleep but I'll be in the room with her. So it sounds to me like that is the problem, that her going to sleep she isn't doing it herself. So what I would suggest you do is, I'd suggest you do what I just said. You read a few stories and then last thing before she gets into bed, go to the bathroom and brush her teeth because then we know she's wide awake because she's doing a skill, right? Then pop into bed, tell her, you know, pop, okay, into bed. And then I'm not saying to walk out and leave her at two and a half and let her protest Mm. because if you've always sat with her, now mum might have let her protest. So with mum, she might be like, well, mum's here, mum's got the rules i have to go to sleep right sure but with you i would say okay it's time for sleep into bed daddy is just going to sit here on this chair you know until you fall asleep okay we're not going to talk i'm going to sit here till you go asleep when you wake up i'll be in my own bed but i'm going to sit here till you fall asleep and make it that simple then the next night move the chair a bit further away the next night, move the chair a bit further away. I think you need to change her going to sleep pathway right. in order for her to actually settle easily for you and stay asleep all night. Okay, that makes sense. I'll say this because Charlie uh, probably is, listen, save our sleep in brackets means for not just the babies but also for <laughs> mum and dad. Charlie also hasn't seen Gemma for a week. Uh, <laughs> he's not the only one who's missing mummy. And when, <laughs> when Iona crawls into bed at 11 p.m., that's mummy-daddy time. And that, that can really impact your relationship, Tizzy. But she might not crawl into bed at 11 p.m. because Dad wasn't there when she fell asleep. Right. So, you know, when you're, you can walk and talk and you're an adult and, and you're walking and talk, everything's good, yeah? And then you hear of someone who's been hit by a truck, they're on a bicycle, they've been hit by a truck or they've fallen off a cliff, and they lose the skill to walk, right? They need to then have all this rehabilitation and be taught the pathway from sitting in a chair to getting up to walking again. They need to learn that skill again, right? Sleep is the same. We have a pathway. If you lose the skill of going from awake to asleep, the same way as someone in an accident would lose the skill of going from sitting to walking, you need to learn that pathway again. So what we need to do is we need to teach her the going to sleep pathway. Then when she wakes during the night, she won't have to get up and go into mum and dad's bed. But then, of course, the other thing, which is a big thing, is I heard one of you talking on one of your podcasts. I think one of you, I may be wrong, but I think I heard one of you talking and saying that your child sleeps in their tummy. Is that like a two and a half year old? One of you has a child who sleeps on a mattress on their tummy or something, or have I misheard that? I think sometimes she has. I, 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 I can't. We haven't had it. We, we've, it's, been a, it's been a couple of weeks of bleary sleep. <laughs> I think you were talking about bedding or something. Because one of the things is that children who don't have the enough bedding, if they only sleep in a sleeping bag, for example, they'll, they'll move and roll and they won't be warm enough to stay in the bed. So the reason I was asking that was maybe your little one isn't warm enough in bed and maybe that's why they're coming and climbing into bed with you to get warmer. Well, that's one thing, Tizzy. She always kicks the covers off. Like you'll put your, she has enough That must be be- what you said. Yeah, she has enough bedding, but she always kicks it off. Like I think she gets way too hot because I'll go in and check on her and she's kicked the covers off. And even when in her sleep, you'll put a, a sheet or a, the doona over her and in her sleep, she'll kick it off. Like she doesn't okay. like things on her. 
So can I ask you, she's two and a half, and mm-hmm. where is she sleeping? Is she sleeping in a cot or is she sleeping in a on bed. a bed? In a, in a in normal a bed. bed. Yeah, big, okay. big girl bed. And she's actually two and a half or she's nearly two and a half or she's over two and a half? She's almost exactly two and a half. I, I probably shouldn't put you on the spot because my yeah. first podcast, I got all my children's ages wrong. I have to apologize <laughs> for the next one. So, okay, so we would not move a girl into a bed until they were two and a half and we would not move a boy into a bed until he's three. Right, mm. and if she was sleeping in a cot in New South Wales at just under two and a half, we would have her in a bodysuit, which is like a t-shirt vest that buttons under her bum, a pair of pajamas, like a two-piece pair of pajamas, then a two-point-five tog sleeping bag, and then in New South Wales at the moment, I would have fourteen layers of bamboo cotton blankets on her. Okay, if you had any less than that. She wouldn't feel safe and secure enough to not kick the bedding off. Mm. Then she would roll to her tummy if she didn't have enough bedding and sleep with her bum in the air. Now, if you were to put her in a bed like you've said that you've done, Mm. I think maybe she's a little bit too young. But if you did put her in a bed, we would have her in the same. So a bodysuit, a baby or a pair of pajamas, in a bed, a one-tog sleeping bag, a sheet, then we would have six of our cotton bamboo blankets and then we would have our cotton quilt. So I really think you're underestimating what bedding you need because most adult duvets are between 12 and 16 tog. So if you're sleeping in your bed with your partner, with an adult duvet, that space is really warm. And then you're putting her in her bed and she doesn't have enough security. The bedding is the security. That makes a lot of sense. See, I'm really worried. I'm really worried to now tell you my story, Tizzy, because you've just <laughs> we got your book, we got Save Our Sleep when Gemma and, and Charlie said, look, you because we were complaining. And at nine months, we taught Wolfie how to go to sleep by himself. And it was amazing. And other people would like ask us, like, why do you look so sprightly? Because he sleeps till seven. And he you know he just stays in, in his cot until we go and get him. And it was amazing, amazing, amazing. Until he started to wake up in the night because we were he wanted to get out of his nappies and wanted to go and pee. So he kept standing up in his cot going, I need to wee because he didn't want to pee in his nappies. And and so we, we got a big bed so we could get out and go to his own potty and and start to have some independence around that. As you mentioned in the book, we we kept the cot in the room for about six, maybe even eight weeks, I think. Yeah. We, we had it in there. And it was great because we had that leverage. Now, a mate of ours uh, who we promised the cot to said, Baby is coming. Can I come and get the cot? Okay, you can come and get the cot. We made a little card. Wolfie cut a picture out of this person. We put her and made a little card. Wolfie gave it to them as as she came to get the cot. It was very sweet. The first night, he's like, you don't have any leverage. (laughs) And it took (laughs) two straight hours. And I'm going spare here, Tizzy, because that's not even in the the middle of the day. It's the same. So I I don't even know. I didn't even know what to do. Can you get your cot back? We can't. We can't get the cot back. That baby's coming, unfortunately. <laughs> Babies have a tendency to just come no matter what. Have you got a porter cot you can use? He's, he's massive. He climbs right out of it. He puts his mm. leg over it and walks out of it. But even if he climbs out of it, he still might feel safer sleeping in it. Okay. You know, even if he climbs out of it, it might be that he does. Is he three or under three? He's under three, yeah. Yeah, you see, he's not old enough to be in a big bed. So he might actually just feel a bit safer in the porter cot. 
He'd been doing so well though. Like he was been doing, so, he would stay in the bed the whole night, even until we came into the room to pick him up. He'd just lie there playing with his bunny until that, seven o'clock. I feel this is like this is my fault, Osh. I mean, I think Tizzy because we got we, we got our big girl bed first, and then Osh, who you know, it's not a competition, but it is a competition. Totally a race. <laughs> but is it his bed. fault that this baby was coming and he had to give his security away? Oh, you're absolutely right. Oh, you're so right, Tizzy. Like. <laughs> Yeah, you might find that the porticot works because sometimes children just don't feel safe in a big bed. So they've come out of the womb and the womb's tiny. It's yeah. absolutely tiny. And then they're sleeping in this little crib in the hospital if you have them in a hospital. And then they go into something at home which is normal, often smaller than a cot. Then they mm. go into a cot. Can you imagine going from that secure cot to a big bed and just feeling that it's gone? Your security's gone. Like your cot's gone. It's gone to someone else. Boy, we really tried. You're going to have to go <laughs> on uh, Gumtree and get a new cot nosh. Oh, so I don't know, do man. Water cot might work. Like anything, Tizzy, I mean, it's, it's, it really is sometimes, you know, three steps forward, two steps back with this stuff. And and I can't, I, I, I want to feel bad that I might have done bad by him, but it's always going to be like this, isn't it? Yeah. So going back to it, so when he was in the cot, was he in a sleeping bag? Uh, no. Okay. Because I was going to say maybe he needs some of his cot comforts. Like, was he in a sleeping bag? Like, what what blankets did he have? What did he have in the cot? Uh, well, the same blankets and pillows and everything would come with it's him. Bed. Yeah, so the same bunny, all the toys, I everything would transfer. I hope they save our sleep ones. Uh, <laughs> they will be after this. All, four, all no, 14 I'm... of them, Tizzy. Because <laughs> you know I've got the safest pillow on the market and... Oh, the safest pillow on the market is exactly yeah. well, what Wolfie needs. I, only because I cocked up. Like only because, like I cocked up. Like I was having a premature baby, and I, I knew all my children were premature, and three of them I cooked long enough to take home from hospital, and then because I knew my third was definitely going to be premature, I decided that I had to have the best, you know. So I had this mini crib, and then I had to make a mattress for it. And then I got this lady from America to come and she was called the chemicals in us or something. Like, oh, I've got everything perfect and my baby's sleeping on no chemicals and I'm Tizzy Hall and it's all great. Yeah. And then she came and she looked at our sleeping bags and they were, and she looked at everything yeah? and it was all perfect. Yeah. And then it came to the mattress. Now think about it. So my baby's going to sleep on this mattress for like 12 hours at night and so on. Yeah. And she got this thing and she put it around the edge of the mattress. And of course we'd had this mattress made in Melbourne and this mattress was absolutely covered in like nicotine all around the edges. So <laughs> I even cocked up, but now we have them made and they're in a cigarette free factory, but you know, you think you're doing the best by your child and you just realize, uh Oh, so yeah, then I created everything that was chemical, like as not chemical free because some things have, but as clean as possible. Osh, how, how's your baby sleeping? Really well, but he's got a six pack a day habit now. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know whether either of you will be lucky enough to have another baby yet, but if you do, can you promise me, promise me, promise me that you will consider not sleep training your new babies? Because we shouldn't have to sleep train. It comes back to what I was talking about. The baby comes out of the womb and the mum has basically bounced the baby to sleep by walking around. So the baby mm. is in the womb and the baby sleeps when she's moving around all day. And then as soon as she sits down at seven o'clock after dinner, the baby wakes up, right? And then as soon as that baby's born, the same thing happens. The worst time we call the witching hour when the baby at night time doesn't want to settle because that's when they were awake in the womb because mum wasn't moving around, right? Why, as soon as that baby comes out of your, the mum's tummy, 
why do we not make sure they're warm and well-fed and loved and then put them down and they never need to learn how to sleep because they do it naturally? Why do people, and you guys, I think, said it in your podcast, say, oh, we're not going to do sleep training until this age. Why do sleep training at all? Why not just have the baby, keep them well-fed, warm? So if you had a baby that was premature, the nurses, midwives would take the baby from you, take them to special care, make sure they were fed on a routine, made sure they were warm in the humidity crib, and they sleep. Why would you have a baby, your next baby, not follow a routine from the second they're born and then not give them the skill to sleep and then have to sleep train them? Like, mm. so is that a mean question to ask you? Like, next time, will you not bother with sleep training and will you just have them warm and well fed from day one so they just sleep? I don't think it's a mean question at all. And honestly, Tizzy, we have been since the kid, well, at least Wolf was nine months old. So at least the last year and a half, we got the book when he was nine months old. Mm. The last year and a half, we've been following what you wrote. And we absolutely did try to keep, certainly through the fourth trimester, keep him in that routine and keep, you know, trying to replicate that exactly what you were talking about. And I think what really struck me, the words that you used of like, how cruel would it be to not give your child the gift of knowing how to put themselves to sleep yeah. and going through their life not knowing how to do that and being able to give that gift to Wolf, it just did so much for his independence and so much for his security and changed who he was as a kid, you know, because he had this, it gave him this sense of security in himself that oh, I can do this. And I've really got to thank you for that because uh, up until literally three days ago, it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it will get good again. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Tizzy, I'm so grateful that you decided to come on our show. I know you get asked to be on a lot of podcasts. Saveoursleep.com is where you can get everything you need to know. Please, Charlie and I have spoken about this book since we started this show. It literally saved our sleep. I give your book to everyone I know that is having a new baby. Same. And, of course, if you need to get your 14 blankets, you can get them at saveoursleep.com. Tizzy Hall, you absolute legend. Thanks for taking the time to be on our little podcast, and I know your podcast will be number one in an hour and <laughs> hour from now uh yeah we look forward to ranking uh, in the bottom in the bottom four while you're at number one yes thanks Dizzy. <laughs> you thank you very much for having me on it's been a great pleasure thank you Oh, well, Charlie, I can't believe, A, that Tizzy Hall came on the show and, B, the day she comes on the show was the day that, oh, man, I fucked it up. <laughs> Got in trouble for moving Wolfie out of a cot too early. It was a little bit about that. Like, we were so excited to see her, but then when she started talking, I'm like, oh, my God, we're fuck up. She's listened to the show. Yeah, She's listened fuck. to the early episodes. That's so embarrassing. We Jesus. can't even deny it. <laughs> but, look, if there's one thing about this whole experience, Charlie, it's like I've never done this before. Of course yeah. I'm going to make mistakes, all right? And even though I've got the book, you know, stuff sometimes happens. Like, oh, we promised the cot to someone and their baby's sooner than we thought and they want it, we're just going to have to give it. And But, man, at least she was kind in the end, which is nice. Yeah, and I think that the one thing that I really took away from it is, is the idea that you sort of go into this sleep training as if suddenly you have to change everything and, like, you know, sort of wrangle your kid into submission when essentially what you're doing is trying to, maintain and extend the circumstances in which the child was brought into the world, this beautiful, warm, safe womb, compact room that they were brought into, you know, I think, you know, you and I both have sort of like accelerated our kids' like development. Let's th throw them in a big bed and, you know, we'll have them sleeping here and doing that. And it's like, 
warm, well-fed, and loved. Have we been following those very simple principles and just extending that kind of like period of the newborn out into toddlerhood? And I think maybe we haven't. <laughs> I definitely know I need to get more blankets. That's for sure. Yeah. 14. 14 of them. That's a lot of blankets. But we can't <laughs> wait to have Tizzy Hall back on the show. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another expert. Uh, if you do need anything between now and then, we'd love to get your questions. Ask dadpod at gmail.com. You can also find us at dadpodgram. Tell a friend, tell a mum, tell a dad. Give it to your dad. Give it to your kids. Uh, just pass the episode on to someone, and that would be amazing. And I think it would be remiss of us to not let Tizzy Hall sign off of the first episode with our signature catchphrase. Tizzy Hall, would you please take us out? Don't touch that! <laughs> 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 <laughs>